I cannot imagine a better legacy than a believing family. Let's pray. Father, I, I am so thankful that you are more wonderful than a believing family. And a family that can see that you're more wonderful than anything is a miracle to behold. So this moment is a miracle. It's an awesome thing. And I praise you. Beyond this remaining few minutes, I pray to minister to our hearts. Thank you for Gene. Thank you for Bob. Thank you for their investment in me and in this church and in all the other people that they invested in, especially this family. I pray this in Jesus' great name. Amen. They were very encouraging to me, Bob and Jean. Um, their devotion to prayer and their devotion to the word, especially Bob with his little cards. <laughs> they were on my mirror for years. They were no Jesus, no peace with the N-O and the N-O and then the K-N-O and the K-N-O. That's really good. No Jesus, N-O, no peace. K-N-O, no Jesus, K-N-O, no peace. Those guys, he's just giving me these things all the time. And I remember the stories of the depression. And I was always stunned at the faithfulness of your mom in all of that. So there were seasons here at Bethlehem where their kindness to me and their encouragement to me was a power that helped me stay centered through some harder seasons. I'm thankful for them. It's an honor to do this. Thank you so much for letting me have a part in this service. I prayed about what I should say, and I think the Lord led me to Psalm 71. It's not a psalm about death. It's a psalm about getting old and preparing for death, which she's not doing anymore. And so in a sense, you might say, why don't you talk about where she is, <laughs> and we could have a great time doing that because she is now totally happy, totally free from all pain, totally free from all sinning. She'll never be guilty anymore, feel bad that she said something wrong. She will henceforth think and feel and say only perfect things and therefore never have any feelings of remorse or regret or sadness ever again that she's ever let anybody down or done anything wrong. This is an awesome thing. And of course, best of all, the dimness has been taken away and now she knows even as she has been known and Jesus was the first one in her list of things she was going to say thank you for, namely the gospel and Jesus taking all of her guilt and sin. What a great reading and testimony that was. A couple of verses to, to show you what led me maybe to Psalm 71. Verse 8, my mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. And then verse 17, oh God, from my youth, 
you have taught me, and I still proclaim, I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those who are to come. So I, I, I think Gene would want me not mainly to focus on her, but to mainly encourage you with gospel, biblical truth, and grace. Maybe this is why I was led to this psalm. We were, no, Noelle and I were leaving church last Sunday. We park over here. We, we drove around, and I saw these families, young families walking out. I'm so thankful for so many young families. And we both looked at each other and said, you know, it takes a lot of energy to raise kids, which we don't have anymore. So God is smart to only let young people have babies because it, it's work, you stay up late, you, you, it's stressful, and it takes an enormous energy. And then, and then I thought, it doesn't take energy to die well. That's not needed at the end. In fact, the meaning of dying is losing energy until it's all gone and you die. So you don't need that to die well. You don't need energy to be a success lying on a hospital bed ready to meet Jesus. What you need is biblical grace, God's grace and God's word. I think of those two things when I think of Bob and Jean. God's grace and God's word. You need promises. You need help from the Holy Spirit. You need faith to rest in him when you can't do a thing anymore for the kids or for anybody. You're not raising anybody to do anything. It's over. And I want to do this well, right? We want to do this well. I'm, that's why I'm talking to you young people. You're going to die someday, believe it or not, unless Jesus comes. And those of us who are closer, we know that. And we just want to do the 50 years you've got or the one year you've got or whatever we've got really well, and it's not strength. I mean, we think that's what we need, we, and get depressed that we don't have it, but that's not the main thing. We need grace, we need biblical truth, and we need faith in it. So, here's what I wanna do. Take a few minutes and give you seven, they go by really fast, it's not gonna be long, seven resolutions from this psalm for living up to death and being successful in it. So start when you're young or start when you're 70, and here we go. So seven resolutions. I'm going to put them in the form of, of resolutions and say us. So whether you're old or young, I'm going to be included here. Number one, these all come from Psalm 71, and I'll give you the verse for each one. Say a word, and we'll, I hope, be encouraged. I was getting ready. Number one, let's resolve to take refuge in God rather than taking offense at our troubles. 
Verse 1, in you, O Lord, I take refuge. Gene had a refuge all the time. We have a refuge from every storm and from every enemy. And, and it's an invisible refuge. It's called God. And he surrounds us and he only lets happen to us what he wills. We have a refuge. And it's forgetting that that causes us to start to moan <coughs> about our troubles. I remember my first year as a pastor here, what, 36 years ago, Roland Erickson's wife, Dolores, had a heart attack. They rushed her to North Memorial Hospital, and I was so proud that I got there almost before the family, because I was so new as a pastor, I didn't know what you were supposed to do, and I was nervous, and, and I got there, and the whole family assembled in the room, and she was in surgery, and, and Roland looked at me and said, Pastor John, give us a word. I was just caught totally flat-footed. I'd run so fast I didn't take my Bible. My mind went blank. I think I murmured something about John 3.16 or... I felt like a failure. I, and you know what I did? I went home, I can picture it, got down at my little prayer bench, opened my Bible to Psalm 46. God is a refuge for us, a very present help in time of trouble. I memorized it cold and said, that will never happen to me again. I will never be caught without a word for hurting people ever again. I said that to my wife three days ago during devotions, and she said, can you still do it? And I did it. I'm not going to do it now because it'll take up more time than I want to. That's number one. Let's, let's take refuge. We have a refuge. No matter how healthy or sick we are, we have a refuge. Number two, let's resolve to remember with wonder and thanks the thousands of times we have leaned on God since our youth, and he's been faithful. Let's remember, I've leaned on God thousands of times in crises in my life, in moments where I didn't know what I'm going to do. I didn't know what to say in the moment. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what the pastoral challenge involved. And I've just cried out, God, help me. I don't know what to do. And he has never failed me. He never failed Gene. He never failed Bobby. Even through the hardest times, he didn't fail them. And he won't fail you. So let's remember the thousands of times we've leaned, we've leaned on him and he didn't snap or break or fail us in any way. God's grace is the way it should work as you get older. God's grace is like a river running out of the future of promises, breaking like a waterfall over the present moment of your life in fulfillment of help into a reservoir of ever-growing memory and thankfulness. So as you look to the past, you see this growing reservoir of memories of things he's done to help you, which should cause you as you turn to the future to say, if he's done it, he's going to do it. And that's the way his faithfulness is. So let's take 
refuge. Number three, let's resolve to speak to God more and more about his greatness until there's no room left in our mouth for murmuring. Speak to God more and more about his greatness, like that song, till there's no room left for murmuring. I'm preaching to John Piper here, complaining John Piper. Verse six, my praise is continually of you. Or verse 14, I will praise you yet more and more. So let's resolve. God, fill my mouth with good things about you so that I'm not a murmuring person. Number four, let's resolve to be people of rugged, undefeatable hope and not give in to despair, even if we have to go to a nursing home and live out our days there, and even if we outlive all of our friends. And our funeral is 10 people. Let's not give in to despair. The battle will be great. It was great for Jean. She won the battle. It'll be great for you. You will feel useless. You will come to a point where you're so weak, you will feel useless, which is a horrible feeling, right? It's a horrible feeling to feel like it, all the good things are in the past. I am now useless. And the temptation to give in to despair at that moment is going to be enormous if it hasn't set in already. And this old man in Psalm 71 says, I will hope continually. And Peter said, gird up the loins of your mind and hope fully in the grace that is coming to you. And Paul Jesus before Paul, I told you this parable that you might always hope and not lose heart. And Paul facing the very thing I'm talking about, namely the, the wasting away of our bodies, he said, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And I know Gene would want to say to Young and old, don't give in to despair. Hope continually in him. He has not left you. Number five, let's resolve to go out of our way to find people to tell about God's wonderful acts of salvation. Go out of your way to find somebody. Just talk about Jesus. I'm not talking about desperately trying to win somebody to Jesus and you're trying to come up with the right words to have a testimony. I just mean, tell him what you read this morning, right? Tell him something about God. About 15 years ago, my dad died in, in 2007, and I've written and said many times, my dad was the happiest man I ever knew. I think that's still true. I know a lot of happy people. I'm not one of them. I got, I'm just a roller coaster of emotions. But my dad was a happy man. And I asked him, about 85 years old, he died when he was 87, Daddy, what's the key to staying happy? You know what he said? He said, Johnny, lead somebody to Jesus. 
Are you kidding me? I mean, there's a lot of things he could have said. And, and the point is, we were made. Grace is not like the Dead Sea, right? It's like the Jordan River. It's, it's supposed to flow. If it stops with you, you're going to be an unhappy person. Oh, I've tasted those unhappy days of mouthlessness. Just open your mouth with your wife or your friend or your roommate or anybody and tell them some good thing about Jesus. And you will find, whoa, that felt good. <laughs> That's what it's made for. You were made for that. It is made for that. And it's not a big complicated thing here. You don't need to read any books about this in order to be good at it. You just need to think about Jesus and open your mouth. Number six. Let's resolve to remember that there are great things about God above our imagination. And soon enough, like Gene, we'll know these too. There's so many things we don't have answers for here, right? We just need a, we are not God. Is that news to anybody? We are not God. Let God be God. Be patient. And Verse Corinthians 13 says, now we see through a glass dimly, then face to face. Now we know in part, then we will know even as we are known. Whatever mysteries we need to know in order to be maximally happy, we're going to know. And all the questions we need to have answered are going to be answered. Verse 18, your power and your righteousness reach to the high heavens. No wonder they're over us. Finally, number seven. Let's resolve to resist all stuffy stereotypes of old people. And play and sing and shout with joy whether we look dignified or not. I'm... I've watched myself get old, and you know what happens? People start to have expectations of what old means. And you start to fit into those expectations. And inside, you feel like a kid. You do. I want to go play. I want to throw the ball again. I want to knock it. Now, you ought to be careful because you break your leg if you do what you feel like doing. But the point is, just don't buy it. Don't buy it. Get down on the floor. Bark like a dog. Illustrate. <laughs> For freedom, Christ has set you free. You know, Jean, be neat to talk to her right now. Um, there are no phonies in heaven. There are no facades in heaven. There's only pure authenticity in heaven. What you see, what you get. So you might as well start now <laughs> because fronts and, and fakiness is going away. You're going to be ashamed of that someday. And we are going to be the freest of all people. You will be what you are and everybody will like it. So let's not buy into stereotypes of aging as though you can't let me read it here. As though you can't. 
I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness. Oh my God, I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. That's an old man talking. <laughs> Close like this. Uh, I said this at Shar's funeral. Um, we're losing some wonderful women these days. Um, God has not appointed any of you who know him for wrath. He hasn't appointed you for wrath. He hasn't appointed Gene or Bob for wrath. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ so that whether we wake, that's all of us in this room right now, or sleep, that's Gene, we might live with him. He didn't appoint you for wrath. He appointed you for salvation so that whether you're the living however long, or the dead, you're alive to him and he with you. Let's pray. You are very great. We're going to sing that, Lord. You are very great. And I pray that our hearts would just abound with thanksgiving for the life of, of Jean Hamlet. And I pray that all, all that you worked in her, you would work in us. And all of her failures and sins would remind us of the preciousness of the blood of Jesus, whom she began her praises with. And so come, take these young people's lives, us older people's lives, and make us real for Jesus until all of our pain and all of our weaknesses are gone in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.